Chapter Twenty of Principles of Geology. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Principles of Geology by Charles Lyell. Chapter Twenty. Action of Tides and Currents. Continued. Inroads of the Sea at the Mouths of the Rhine in Holland. Changes in the Arms of the Rhine. Proofs of subsidence of land, estuary of the Bees Boso formed in 1421, Zadar Z in the 13th century, islands destroyed, delta of the Eames converted into a bay, estuary of the Dolart formed, encroachment of the sea on the coast of Schleswig, on shores of North America, tidal wave called the Boar. Influence of tides and currents on the mean level of seas. Action of currents in inland lakes and seas. Baltic, Cimbrian deluge, Straits of Gibraltar. No undercurrent there. Whether salt is precipitated in the Mediterranean. Waste of shores of Mediterranean. Inroads of the sea at the mouths of the Rhine. The line of British coast, considered in the preceding chapter, offered no example of the conflict of two great antagonistic forces. The influx, on the one hand, of a river draining a large continent, and on the other, the action of the waves, tides, and currents of the ocean. But when we pass over by the Straits of Dover to the continent and proceed northeastwards, we find an admirable illustration of such a contest, where the ocean and the Rhine are opposed to each other, each disputing the ground now occupied by Holland, the one striving to shape out an estuary, the other to form a delta. There was evidently a period when the river obtained the ascendancy, when the shape and perhaps the relative level of the coast and set of the tides were very different, but for the last two thousand years, during which man has witnessed and actively participated in the struggle, the result has been in favor of the ocean, the area of the whole territory having become more and more circumscribed, natural and artificial barriers having given way, one after the other, and many hundred thousand human beings having perished in the waves. Changes in the Arms of the Rhine The Rhine, after flowing from the Grissen Alps, copiously charged with sediment, first purifies itself in the Lake of Constance, where a large delta is formed. Then swelled by the Aar and numerous other tributaries, it flows for more than 600 miles towards the north. When, entering a low tract, it divides into two arms about ten miles northeast of Cleves, a point which must therefore be considered the head of its delta. In speaking of the delta, I do not mean to assume that all that part of Holland, which is comprised within the several arms of the Rhine, can be called a delta in the strictest sense of the term, because some portion of the country thus circumscribed as, for example, a part of Gelderland and Utrecht, consists of strata which may have been deposited in the sea before the Rhine existed. 
these older tracts may either have been raised like the ulla bund in kutsch during the period when the sediment of the rhine was converting a part of the sea into land or they may have constituted islands previously the dark tint between antwerp and newport represents part of the netherlands which was land in the time of the romans then overflowed by the sea before and during the fifth century and afterwards reconverted into land when the river divides north of cleves the left arm takes the name of the Waal, and the right retaining that of the rhine is connected a little further to the north by an artificial canal with the river Isel. the rhine then flowing westward divides again southeast of utrecht and from this point it takes the name of the lek a name which was given to distinguish it from the northern arm called the old rhine which was sanded up until the year eighteen twenty five when a channel was cut for it by which it now enters the sea at catwick it is common in all great deltas that the principal channels of discharge should shift from time to time but in holland so many magnificent canals have been constructed and have so diverted from time to time the course of the waters that the geographical changes in this delta are endless and their history since the roman era forms a complicated topic of antiquarian research the present head of the delta is about forty geographical miles from the nearest part of the gulf called the zadar zee and more than twice that distance from the general coastline the present head of the delta of the nile is about eighty or ninety geographical miles from the sea that of the ganges as before stated two hundred and twenty and that of the mississippi about one eighty reckoning from the point where the atchafalaya branches off to the extremity of the new tongue of land in the gulf of mexico but the comparative distance between the heads of deltas and the sea affords no positive data for estimating the relative magnitude of the alluvial tracts formed by their respective rivers for the ramifications depend on many varying and temporary circumstances and the area over which they extend does not hold any constant proportion to the volume of water in the river the rhine therefore has at present three mouths about two-thirds of its waters flow to the sea by the wall and the remainder is carried partly to the zadar zee by the easel and partly to the ocean by the lek as the whole coast to the south as far as ostend and on the north to the entrance of the baltic has with few exceptions from time immemorial yielded to the force of the waves it is evident that the common delta of the rhine muse and scheldt for these three rivers may all be considered as discharging their waters into the same part of the sea would if its advance had not been checked have become extremely prominent and even if it had remained stationary would long ere this have projected far beyond the rounded outline of the coast like that strip of land already described at the mouth of the mississippi but we find on the contrary that the islands which skirt the coast have not only lessened in size but in number also 
while great bays have been formed in the interior by incursions of the sea in order to explain the incessant advance of the ocean on the shores and inland country of holland monsieur elie de beaumont has suggested that there is in all probability been a general depression or sinking of the land below its former level over a wide area such a change of level would enable the sea to break through the ancient line of sandbanks and islands which protected the coast would lead to the enlargement of bays the formation of new estuaries and ultimately to the entire submergence of land these views appear to be supported by the fact that several peat mosses of freshwater origin now occur under the level of the sea especially on the site of the zadar zee and lake flavo presently to be mentioned several excavations also made for wells at Utrecht, Amsterdam, and Rotterdam, have proved that below the level of the ocean, the soil near the coast consists of alternations of sand with marine shells, and beds of peat and clay, which have been traced to the depth of fifty feet and upwards. I have said that the coast to the south as far as Ostend has given way, this statement may at first seem opposed to the fact that the tract between Antwerp and Newport, shaded black in the annexed map of figure 38, although now dry land and supporting a large population, has within the historical period been covered with the sea. This region, however, consisted, in the time of the Romans, of woods, marshes, and peat mosses, protected from the ocean by a chain of sandy dunes, which were afterwards broken through during storms, especially in the fifth century. The waters of the sea during these eruptions threw down upon the barren peat a horizontal bed of fertile clay, which is in some places three yards thick, full of recent shells and works of art. The inhabitants by the aid of embankments and the sand dunes of the coast have succeeded although not without frequent disasters in defending the soil thus raised by the marine deposit inroads of the sea in holland if we pass to the northward of the territory just alluded to and cross the scheldt we find that between the fourteenth and eighteenth centuries parts of the islands of Walcheren and Beveland were swept away, and several populous districts of Kadzand, losses which far more than counterbalanced the gain of land caused by the sanding up of some pre-existing creeks. In 1658, the island Orissant was annihilated. One of the most memorable inroads of the sea occurred in 1421, when the tide, pouring into the mouth of the united Meuse and Waal, burst through a dam in the district between Dort and Gertrudenburg, and overflowed seventy-two villages, forming a large sheet of water called the Bees Bosch. See map, figure 38. Thirty-five of the villages were irretrievably lost, and no vestige, even of their ruins, was afterwards seen. The rest were redeemed, and the site of the others, though still very generally represented on maps as an estuary, 
has in fact been gradually filled up by alluvial deposits and had become in eighteen thirty five as i was informed by professor mall an immense plain yielding abundant crops of hay though still uninhabited to the north of the meuse is a long line of shore covered with sand dunes where great encroachments have taken place from time to time in consequence chiefly of the prevalence of southeasterly winds which blow down the sands toward the sea the church of scheveningen not far from the hague was once in the middle of the village and now stands on the shore half the place having been overwhelmed by the waves in fifteen seventy catwick once far from the sea is now upon the shore two of its streets having been overflowed and land torn away to the extent of two hundred yards in seventeen nineteen it is only by the aid of embankments that peyton and several other places further north have been defended against the sea formation of the zauder zee and straits of staverin still more important are the changes which have taken place on the coast opposite the right arm of the rhine or the easel where the ocean has burst through a large isthmus and entered the inland lake flavo which in ancient times was according to pomponius mela formed by the overflowing of the rhine over certain lowlands it appears that in the time of tacitus there were several lakes on the present site of the Zardesee, between friesland and holland the successive inroads by which these and a great part of the adjoining territory were transformed into a great gulf began about the commencement and were completed toward the close of the thirteenth century alting gives the following relation of the occurrence drawn from manuscript documents of contemporary inhabitants of the neighboring provinces in the year twelve o five the island now called Viringen, to the south of the texel was still a part of the mainland but during several high floods of which the dates are given ending in december twelve fifty one it was separated from the continent by subsequent incursions the sea consumed great parts of the rich and populous isthmus a low tract which stretched on the north of lake flevo between staverin in friesland and medemblik in holland till at length a breach was completed about the year twelve eighty two and afterwards widened great destruction of land took place when the sea first broke in and many towns were swept away but there was afterwards a reaction to a certain extent large tracts at first submerged having been gradually redeemed the new straits south of staverin are more than half the width of those of dover but are very shallow the greatest depth not exceeding two or three fathoms the new bay is of a somewhat circular form and between thirty and forty miles in diameter how much of this space may formerly have been occupied by lake flevo is unknown destruction of islands a series of islands stretching from the texel to the mouths of the weser and elbe are probably the last relics of a tract once continuous 
they have greatly diminished in size and have lost about a third of their number since the time of pliny for that naturalist counted twenty-three islands between texel and eider whereas now there are only sixteen including heligoland and newark the island of heligoland at the mouth of the elbe consists of a rock of red marl of the kuiper formation of the germans and is bounded by perpendicular red cliffs about two hundred feet high although according to some accounts it has been greatly reduced in size since the year eight hundred mr Veeble assures us that the ancient map by meyer cannot be depended upon and that the island according to the description still extant by adam of Bremen, was not much larger than now in the time of charlemagne on comparing the map made in the year seventeen ninety three by the danish engineer vesel the average encroachment of the sea on the cliffs between that period and the year eighteen forty eight or about half a century did not amount to more than three feet on the other hand some few islands have extended their bounds in one direction or became connected with others by the sanding up of channels but even these like juiced have generally given way as much on the north towards the sea as they have gained on the south or land side the dollard formed while the delta of the rhine has suffered so materially from the movements of the ocean it can hardly be supposed that minor rivers on the same coast should have been permitted to extend their deltas it appears that in the time of the romans there was an alluvial plain of great fertility where the ems entered the sea by three arms this low country stretched between greningen and friesland and sent out a peninsula to the northeast towards emden a flood in twelve seventy seven first destroyed part of the peninsula other inundations followed at different periods throughout the fifteenth century in fifteen o seven a part only of torum a considerable town remained standing and in spite of the erection of dams the remainder of that place together with market towns villages and monasteries to the number of fifty were finally overwhelmed the new gulf which was called the dollart although small in comparison to the Zadar Zee, occupied no less than six square miles at first, but part of this space was in the course of the two following centuries again redeemed from the sea. The small bay of Leibucht, farther north, was formed in a similar manner in the 13th century, and the bay of Harlbucht in the middle of the 16th. Both of these have since been partially reconverted into dry land another new estuary called the gulf of yada near the mouth of the vaser scarcely inferior in size to the dollar has been gradually hollowed out since the year ten sixteen between which era and sixteen fifty one a space of about four square miles has been added to the sea the rivulet which now enters this inlet is very small but Aaron's conjectures that an arm of the Vaser had once an outlet in that direction. Coast of Schleswig. Farther north, we find so many records of waste on the western coast of Schleswig as to lead us to anticipate that at no distant period in the history of the physical geography of Europe 
jutland may become an island and the ocean may obtain a more direct entrance into the baltic indeed the temporary insulation of the northern extremity of jutland has been effected no less than four times within the records of history the ocean having as often made a breach through the bar of sand which usually excludes it from the lean fjord this long frith is a hundred and twenty miles in length including its wingdings and communicates at its eastern end with the baltic the last eruption of salt water happened in eighteen twenty four and the fjord was still open in eighteen thirty seven when some vessels of thirty tons burden passed through the marsh islands between the rivers elba and eider are mere banks like the lands formed of the warp in the humber protected by dikes some of them after having been inhabited with security for more than ten centuries have been suddenly overwhelmed in this manner in twelve sixteen no less than ten thousand of the inhabitants of eiderstede and dittmarsh perished and on the eleventh of october sixteen thirty four the islands in the whole coast as far as jutland suffered by a dreadful deluge destruction of north strand by the sea north strand up to the year twelve forty was with the islands of silt and fir so nearly connected with the mainland as to appear a peninsula and was called north friesland a highly cultivated and populous district it measured from nine to eleven geographical miles from north to south and six to eight from east to west in the above-mentioned year it was torn asunder from the continent and in part overwhelmed the isle of north strand thus formed was towards the end of the sixteenth century only four geographical miles in circumference and was still celebrated for its cultivation and numerous population after many losses it still contained nine thousand inhabitants at last in the year sixteen thirty four on the evening of the eleventh of october a flood passed over the whole island whereby thirteen hundred houses with many churches were lost fifty thousand head of cattle perished and above six thousand men three small islets one of them still called north strand alone remained which are now continually wasting the redundancy of river water in the baltic especially during the melting of ice and snow in spring causes in general an outward current through the channel called the Kattegat. but after a continuance of northwesterly gales especially during the height of the spring tides the atlantic rises and pouring a flood of water into the baltic commits dreadful devastations on the isles of the danish archipelago this current even acts though with diminished force as far eastward as the vicinity of danzig accounts written during the last ten centuries attest the wearing down of promontories on the danish coast the deepening of gulfs the severing of peninsulas from the mainland and the waste of islands while in several cases marshland defended for centuries by dikes 
has at last been overflowed and thousands of the inhabitants whelmed in the waves thus the island barso on the coast of Schleswig has lost year after year an acre at a time and the island alsen suffers in like manner cimbrian deluge as we have already seen that during the flood before mentioned six thousand men and fifty thousand head of cattle perished on north strand on the western coast of jutland we are all well prepared to find that this peninsula cimbrica chiasonisus of the ancients has from a remote period been the theatre of like catastrophes accordingly strabo records a story although he treats it as an incredible fiction that during a high tide the ocean rose upon this coast so rapidly that men on horseback were scarcely able to escape florus alluding to the same tradition says cimbri tutani atque tigerini ab extremis galilei profugi cum terras iurum inudacit oceanus novis sedis toto orbe querebant this event commonly called the cimbrian deluge is supposed to have happened about three centuries before the christian era but it is not improbable that the principal catastrophe was preceded and followed by many devastations like those experienced in modern times on the islands and shores of jutland and such calamities may well be conceived to have forced on the migration of some maritime tribes inroads of the sea on the eastern shores of north america after so many authentic details respecting the destruction of the coast in parts of europe best known it will be unnecessary to multiply examples of three hundred and thirty-two analogous changes in more distant regions of the world it must not however be imagined that our own seas form any exception to the general rule thus for example if we pass over to the eastern coast of north america where the tides rise in the bay of fundy to great elevation we find many facts attesting the incessant demolition of land cliffs often several hundred feet high composed of sandstone red marl and other rocks which border that bay and its numerous estuaries are perpetually undermined the ruins of these cliffs are gradually carried in the form of mud sand and large boulders into the atlantic by powerful currents aided at certain seasons by drift ice which form along the coast and freezes round large stones at cape may on the north side of delaware bay in the united states the encroachment of the sea was shown by observations made consecutively for sixteen years from eighteen o four to eighteen twenty to average about nine feet a year and at sullivan's island which lies on the north side of the entrance of the harbor of charleston in south carolina the sea carried away a quarter of a mile of land in three years ending in seventeen eighty six tidal wave called the boar before concluding my remarks on the actions of the tides i must not omit to mention the wave called the boar which is sometimes produced in a river where a large body of water is made to rise suddenly in consequence of the contraction of the channel 
this wave terminates abruptly on the inland side because the quantity of water contained in it is so great and its motion so rapid that time is not allowed for the surface of the river to be immediately raised by means of transmitted pressure a tide wave thus rendered abrupt has a close analogy observes mr waywell to the waves which curl over and break on a shelving shore the bore which enters the severn where the phenomenon is of almost daily occurrence is sometimes nine feet high and at spring tides rushes up the estuary with extraordinary rapidity the finest example which i have seen of this wave was at nova scotia where the tide is said to rise in some places seventy feet perpendicular and to be the highest in the world in the large estuary of the shubinikiti which connects with another estuary called the basin of mines itself an embranchment of the bay of fundy a vast body of water comes rushing up with a roaring noise into a long narrow channel and while it is ascending has all the appearance of pouring down a slope as steep as that of the celebrated rapids of the st lawrence in picturesque effect however it bears no comparison for instead of the transparent green water and snow-white foam of the st lawrence the whole current of the shubinikiti is turbid and densely charged with red mud the same phenomenon is frequently witnessed in the principal branches of the ganges and in the meghna as before mentioned on page two seventy nine in the hoogli says rennell the bore commences at hoogli point the place where the river first contracts itself and is perceptible above hoogli town and so quick is its motion that it hardly employs four hours in travelling from one to the other though the distance is nearly seventy miles at calcutta it sometimes occasions an instantaneous rise of five feet and both here and in every other part of its track the boats on its approach immediately quit to shore and make for safety to the middle of the river in the channels between the islands and the mouth of the magna the height of the bore is said to exceed twelve feet and is so terrific in its appearance and dangerous in its consequences that no boat will venture to pass at spring tide these waves may sometimes cause inundations undermine cliffs and still more frequently sweep away trees and land animals from low shores so that they may be carried down and ultimately embedded in fluviatile or submarine deposits in such large bodies of water as the north american lakes the continuance of a strong wind in one direction often causes the elevation of the water and its accumulation on the leeward side and while the equilibrium is restoring itself powerful currents are occasioned in october eighteen thirty three a strong current in lake erie caused partly by the set of the waters towards the outlet of the lake and partly by the prevailing wind burst a passage through the extensive peninsula called long point and soon excavated a channel more than nine feet deep and nine hundred feet wide its width and depth have since increased and a new and costly pier has been erected for it is hoped that this event will permanently improve the navigation 
of lake erie for steamboats on the opposite or southern coast of this lake in front of the town of cleveland the degradation of the cliffs have been so rapid for several years preceding a survey made in eighteen thirty seven as to threaten many towns with demolition in the black sea also although free from tides we learn from Pallas that there is a sufficiently strong current to undermine the cliffs in many parts and particularly in the crimea straits of gibraltar it is well known that a powerful current sets constantly from the atlantic into the mediterranean and its influence extends along the whole southern borders of that sea and even to the shores of asia minor captain smith found during his survey that the central current ran constantly at the rate of from three to six miles an hour eastward into the mediterranean the body of water being three miles and a half wide but there are also two lateral currents one on the european and one on the african side each of them about two miles and a half broad and flowing at about the same rate as the central stream these lateral currents ebb and flow with the tide setting alternately into the mediterranean and into the atlantic the excess of water constantly flowing in is very great and there is only one cause to which this can be attributed the loss of water in the mediterranean by evaporation that the level of this sea should be considerably depressed by this cause is quite conceivable since we know that the winds blowing from the shores of africa are hot and dry and hygrometrical experiments recently made in malta and other places show that the mean quantity of moisture in the air investing the mediterranean is equal only to one-half of that in the atmosphere of england the temperature also of the great inland sea is upon an average higher by three and a half degrees of fahrenheit than the eastern part of the atlantic ocean in the same latitude which must greatly promote its evaporation the black sea being situated in a higher latitude and being the receptacle of rivers flowing from the north is much colder and its expenditure far less accordingly it does not draw any supply from the mediterranean but on the contrary contributes to it by a current flowing outwards for the most part of the year through the dardanelles the discharge however at the bosphorus is so small when compared to the volume of water carried in by rivers as to imply a great amount of evaporation in the black sea whether salt be precipitated in the mediterranean it is however objected that evaporation carries away only fresh water and that the current from the atlantic is continually bringing in salt water why then do not the component parts of the waters of the mediterranean vary or how can they remain so nearly the same as those of the ocean some have imagined that the excess of salt might be carried away by an undercurrent running in a contrary direction to the superior and this hypothesis appeared to receive confirmation from a late discovery that the water taken up about fifty miles within the straits from a depth of six hundred and seventy fathoms 
contained a quantity of salt four times greater than the water on the surface dr wollaston who analyzed this water obtained by captain smith truly inferred that an undercurrent of such denser water flowing outward if of equal breadth and depth with the current near the surface would carry out as much salt below as is brought in above although it moved with less than one-fourth part of the velocity and would thus prevent a perpetual increase of saltiness in the mediterranean beyond that existing in the atlantic it was also remarked by others that the result would be the same if the swiftness being equal the inferior current had only one-fourth of the volume of the superior at the same time there appeared reason to conclude that this great specific gravity was only acquired by water at immense depths for two specimens of the water taken within the mediterranean at the distance of some hundred miles from the straits and at depths of four hundred and even four hundred and fifty fathoms were found by dr wollaston not to exceed in density that of many ordinary samples of sea-water such being the case we can now prove that the vast amount of salt brought into the mediterranean does not pass out again by the straits for it appears by captain smith's soundings which dr wollaston had not seen that between the capes of trafalgar and spartel which are twenty-two miles apart and where the straits are shallowest the deepest part which is on the side of cape spartel is only two hundred and twenty fathoms it is therefore evident that if water sinks in certain parts of the mediterranean in consequence of the increase of its specific gravity to greater depths than two hundred and twenty fathoms it can never flow out again into the atlantic since it must be stopped by the submarine barrier which crosses the shallowest part of the straits of gibraltar the idea of the existence of a countercurrent at a certain depth first originated in the following circumstances Monsieur de Viegel, commander of a privateer called the Phoenix of Marseilles, gave chase to a Dutch merchant ship near Queta Point, and coming up with her in the middle of the gut between Tarifa and Tangier, gave her one broadside, which directly sunk her. A few days after, the sunken ship, with her cargo of brandy and oil, was cast ashore near Tangier which is at least four leagues to the westward of the place where she went down, and to which she must have floated in a direction contrary to the course of the central current. This fact, however, affords no evidence of an undercurrent, because the ship, when it approached the coast, would necessarily be within the influence of a lateral current, which, running westward twice every twenty-four hours, might have brought back the vessel to Tangier what then becomes of the excess of salt for this is an inquiry of the highest geological interest the rhone the po the nile and many hundred minor streams and springs pour annually into the mediterranean large quantities of carbonate of lime together with iron magnesia silica alumina sulphur and other mineral ingredients in a state of chemical solution to explain why the influx of this matter 
does not alter the composition of the sea has never been regarded as a difficulty for it is known that calcareous rocks are forming in the delta of the rhone in the adriatic on the coast of asia minor and in other localities precipitation is acknowledged to be the means whereby the surplus mineral matter is disposed of after the consumption of a certain portion in the secretions of testacea zoophytes and other marine animals but before muriate of soda can in like manner be precipitated the whole mediterranean ought according to the received principles of chemistry to become as much saturated with salt as lake aral the dead sea or the brine springs of cheshire it is undoubtedly true in regard to small bodies of water that every particle must be fully saturated with muriate of soda before a single crystal of salt can be formed such is probably the case in all natural salterns such for example as those described by travellers as occurring on the western borders of the black sea where extensive marshes are said to be covered by thin films of salt after a rapid evaporation of sea-water the salt etangs of the rome where salt has sometimes been precipitated in considerable abundance have been already mentioned in regard to the depth of the mediterranean it appears that between gibraltar and ceuta captain smith sounded to the enormous depth of nine hundred and fifty fathoms and found there a gravelly bottom with fragments of broken shells saucery sounded to the depth of two thousand feet within a few yards of the shore at nice and m birard has lately fathomed to the depth of more than six thousand feet in several places without reaching the bottom the central abysses therefore of this sea are in all likelihood at least as deep as the alps are high and as at the depth of seven hundred fathoms only water has been found to contain a proportion of salt four times greater than that at the surface we may presume that the excess of salt may be much greater at the depth of two or three miles after evaporation the surface becomes impregnated with a slight excess of salt and its specific gravity being thus increased it instantly falls to the bottom while lighter water rises to the top or flows in laterally being always supplied by rivers and the current from the atlantic the heavier fluid when it arrives at the bottom cannot stop if it can gain access to any lower part of the bed of the sea not previously occupied by water of the same density how far this accumulation of brine can extend before the inferior strata of water will part with any of their salt and what difference in such a chemical process the immense pressure of the incumbent ocean or the escape of heated vapours thermal springs or submarine volcanic eruptions might occasion are questions which cannot be answered in the present state of science the straits of gibraltar are said to become gradually wider by the wearing down of the cliffs on each side at many points and the current sets along the coast of africa so as to cause considerable inroads in various parts particularly near carthage near the canopic mouth of the nile at abukir 
the coast was greatly devastated in the year seventeen eighty four when a small island was nearly consumed by a series of similar operations the old site of the cities of necropolis taposiris parva and canopus have become a sandbank. End of chapter twenty two